Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Margin Call is a film with a great ensemble cast, including Kevin Spacey, Demi Moore, Paul Bettany, Jeremy Irons, Zachary Quinto, Stanley Tucci, Simon Baker, and Penn Bagley. The film takes place over a 36-hour period at a large investment bank and focuses on the financial crisis of 2007-2008. The film follows the actions taken by a group of employees during the financial collapse. We're joined by filmmaker, director of the film, and writer of the film as well, Margin Call, J.C. Jandor. Welcome to Film School. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome, and I'm just thrilled to have you on. I just really enjoyed this film. I've been telling everyone to and fro to go see it. I think that it does an, a remarkably cogent and coherent job. Not only is it a great drama, but it, it really lays out the uh, the financial crisis in a way that I think that so many of us, it's been beyond the grasp of a lot of us to quite understand what happened. And your film, in addition to being a um, entertaining is also very enlightening so congratulations on that thank you yeah um and tell us a little bit about this uh you have a a bit of familial background in the world of finance but tell us how this project came together for you yeah i um i my my father had worked in this world for um you know his entire career so 35 going on almost 40 years he's He's been retired for several years now, but um, so I certainly, you know, grew up in in communities. Frankly, you know, surrounded by people that worked in this business. I've uh, always kind of been more in, in the art side of things, but um, certainly uh, many many people that I knew and grew up with uh, went into this world, um, and you know, their parents while we were growing up, uh, you know, this was. For the most part, um, a good portion of, of our town. I, I grew up in suburban New York City in, in London, England, and um, you know I, I knew a lot of these people throughout you know many different stages of my life. So, you know, one of the things I tried to zero in on with the film was, you know, really the decision making. That you know, not so much a, a rundown of exactly what happened, although we we try to stay. Um, you know, as sort of to the facts as, as possible for the most part to keep the story kind of moving forward. Yeah. But really the, the, the guts of the story, so to speak, for me, at least from an interest standpoint, was, um, you know, how did these people end up in this position and what it's, what's it like to be there with them on, you know, sort of, quote, unquote, the, the worst day of their professional lives? Yeah, and it's interesting in this film, this sort of uh, tension that exists between the personal lives and careers of these people and the big picture. Yeah. And this film, it, it, one of the things that's wonderful about watching it and and sort of absorbing it is that we all know the big picture. Yeah. And we know how this story is going to end in some <laughs> ways, and or at least continue, if, if yeah. not end in any way. And um, so there, there is that tension that we know as an audience going in and then watching the actions of obviously imperfect people on many different levels, but some struggle with the right thing and some, some do not. 
Yeah. Um, and go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, that was, that was for me, the, the, the sort of neat thing. Um, you know, I wrote this going on three years ago, so it's, it's obviously, you know, a situation that's continued to mature in, in many sort of unfortunate ways, um, you know, unfortunately for, for all of us, frankly. But as, um, you know, what, what, what's neat about the story is that you're actually seeing, you know, sort of people within it, um, you know, that really helped to, um, you know, not solely create the problem, but we're, but we're certainly people at a, at a very integral spot, you know, in how this all came about. And so we're there on the day when they sort of actually see where we are going to be today, which yeah. is a kind of a, 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 I don't know how clearly I, let me rephrase that, try to say a little better, but <laughs> essentially these people are all educated enough in this field and know that if what they're looking at, there's sort of this one piece of information that is discovered in the beginning of the film, and all the film really is is that one piece of information <laughs> traveling up the chain of command of this company. And the thing that I found sort of fascinating was you know, we as an audience, you know, do know where we've ended up here. And, and we, we don't know exactly how we got here, but we certainly know that it's been a very bumpy, kind of miserable ride. So to go back to the point where, you know, these educated people who know what they're looking at, and essentially there's this moment where almost each character sees this information or is told this information for the first time, and, you know, across their face, we basically, for a moment only, um, you know, they see what this is going to mean, and that is really what we've just experienced for the last three years. So I found that sort of fascinating, you know, to kind of be there at the moment when people who, you know, are, are certainly not Mother Teresa's and never, you know, yeah. never sort of set out to solve the world's ills. Um, they are, for the most part, you know, made choices in their life that were based, you know, um, you know, the majority based on what they were going to be paid over over some of the other things and choices that people make in their lives. But they certainly, you know, did not think they were going to be involved with something that was creating, you know, tremendous destruction in the world. And so to be there at that moment when they realized that not only did they sort of take a, a bigger paycheck to not quite you know, make the world a better place, but it's going to be the opposite. And they actually took a bigger paycheck to something that they now see is going to have, uh, you know, tremendous destruction in the world. That was sort of a fascinating, you know, moment. And then the neat thing is, because these are people that under great duress, most human beings do this, but certainly people in this field, um, you know, that, that sort of broader realization immediately passes, and then it becomes, you know, about the far more kind of human elements of, you know, self, self-survival and, you know, how are they going to, you know, keep their jobs or take care of their families or take care of themselves, you know, all the things that under duress most of us sort of do by our very nature kind of go to. And so, you know, you're there for that one moment, and then the rest of the film is really a chess match of them trying to, you know, look out for themselves and um, struggling with that. And, and you know, and, and to me that was, that was kind of, you know, a lot could be learned about how we got into this mess by realizing how the people within it tried to get themselves out of it. Yeah. 
We're speaking with uh, J.C. Chandor, and the film is uh, Margin Call. The, you're, I, you're great. That's exactly. <laughs> I was watching it and trying in some sort of parlor game to to figure out who here actually believes what they're saying. <laughs> okay, okay, and and the further up the food chain you go in this, even with Jeremy Irons' character, yeah. uh, it's hard to believe that he. He didn't understand the big picture, but you can understand what he's doing and why he's doing it. And it's this sort of, I don't say evil, because that's, I mean, yeah. evil is such a loaded word, but it's this banality of evil in, in the yeah. sort of what's going on here that really makes it such an intriguing story. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're, you're constantly as an audience. I think it's one of the things, you know, the film by its sort of very nature is fairly static. You know, it's, it's yeah. people panicking kind of in this very contained, claustrophobic environment of this basically one floor of a, you know, the 42nd floor of a high-rise. Um, but what keeps the film sort of constantly moving forward is this, you know, as an audience, you're, A, it's, there's sort of this overlying tension that you know what these people are dealing with is this sort of big issue that has, you know, tremendous consequences, you know, attached to it. Um, but the simple fact that you're never quite sure, you know, you sort of just raised it, but who believes what and who believes what they're saying. And, you know, I think with Jeremy Irons' character, for me, you know, He's a master communicator. He's the CEO of one of these huge, you know, huge, huge banking institutions. So, you know, he didn't, he's not, certainly not as, uh, you know, as daft or as, as stupid as he's sort of playing. He's playing the fool yeah. to a certain extent. But um, that isn't to say that he also is, was not aware before, you know, this whole thing came out that, that this was, that this area of the company, you know, had the potential for sort of catastrophic damage. So yeah. it's a little bit of both. And, and each yeah. character, um, you know, that's part of the struggle yeah. is, is not quite, you know, denial, um, is one of the huge, you know, elements, uh, of the humans, of the human capability yeah. that, that got us into this mess. M meaning not just people in the banking world, but all of us, you know, kind of storming along, still, you know, jamming our foots on the accelerator when it was, you know, pretty clear now looking back on it that, you know, a lot of the housing situation and, you know, the debt that was taken on by towns, cities, countries, people, individuals, everything, you know, it w was out of control. But at the time, you know, we were all putting our heads in the sand. And, and these people being the kind of tip of that sword um, were obviously doing the exact same thing. So, you know, you as an audience get to sit there and try and figure that out. You know, yeah. are these people just, you know, blatantly denying what is lying before them? Um, are they, you know, lying to themselves? Or had they literally convinced themselves of this, um, that this was going to go on forever, this happy, merry ride that they had been on for the last couple of years? So, you know, that's certainly one of the core kind of dramatic underpinnings yeah. is, is um, you know, who knows what and who's willing to take responsibility for any of this. You know, and you can even look at the story it going forward, if you didn't know what the consequences of it are, you could even make an argument that they may have actually 
been they actually could have done the right thing by doing what they did to save the sort of market from from yeah. a, a more catastrophic collapse. I mean, well, it didn't yeah, work I mean, out that the, way. The, the crazy thing is the guy you're sort of you know right and wrong here is yeah. obviously what I'm playing with. Yeah. You know, I mean that's yeah. the sort of major struggle in the movie is what is right or wrong. Right. The, the kind of the reason this is an independent film and not, you know, a, a larger studio endeavor is because we sort of refused, you know, very noticeably. We had opportunities to make this film for more money, you know, a year ahead of when we did. If we had had the character played by Zachary Quinto sort of turn in one of the, you know, senior employees, whether that was Kevin Spacey's character or Jeremy Irons, um, if he had been a hero, quote-unquote, and turned one of them in for some kind of wrongdoing, um, we could have had this film made you know, a lot earlier than we did. Yeah. Uh, what I found fascinating about the story, and frankly what a lot of the actors were drawn to, is this bizarre thing that at this very moment, meaning, meaning the sort of 24, 36 hours that this movie kind of takes place during, the action that they take is right by every sort of common understanding yeah. of corporate responsibility right, right. and all these things is they have a piece of information that they believe they don't know but they they pretty darn sure believe is going to mean that you know in this case it's sort of these complex assets but you know you're sitting there with a stack of uh, you know magazines and you happen to know tomorrow those magazines are going to be worth you know 40% less than they are today but someone's still willing to pay you you know the 2 bucks for it today um, you're going to sell those magazines, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, tomorrow they're worth less. But, you know, that was the price when you chose to, to sell them. And so that's a gray, gray area. Yeah. It's a very touchy subject, obviously. But if you follow the sort of fundamental, you know, beliefs of a capitalist society, um, you know, Jeremy Irons' character in this movie is right. And Kevin Spacey's character, who we're sort of cheering for to a certain extent, um, you know, not quite cheering for, but we we certainly respect that he's trying to do quote unquote, you know, the right thing. Um, he's actually wrong, and so you know that that doesn't that doesn't make it you know um, easier to swallow in any way. But it's very interesting to me. You know, I found that sort of a, a fascinating conundrum that that essentially you know the choice to actually do anything about this. Uh, was a year or two or three years ahead of this, you know, that's when sort of the right thing would have been able to be done, which was to, you know, pump the brakes on the economy, slow things down, slop, stop packaging, you know, uh, these products together, you know. But we're past that point, and yeah. so this whole film takes place at a point where there really aren't any good choices for any of these characters. And... Um, yeah. You know, I found that sort of a fascinating situation. It's a, it is, and it what's what really, as I said earlier, it creates this tension within the story and your your enjoyment and your involvement really in the story. We're all involved now. We're all you know, whether we want to be or not, we are all involved now. There's I've described this film to to friends as is the singularity. Uh, in other words, if you go to the theory of the Big Bang, when everything compressed down into one particle, 
and yeah. just in that second before it exploded and it became the what we know today as the universe <laughs> this is that film this is what this film is this is that singularity down to just before it explodes and you get to see all of these component parts compressed down into this story and and then we know what we know what happened so uh, yeah it was i mean the neat thing is is that that actually came from limitations that I placed to myself. I, I, I never wrote this um, script to be, uh, you know, to be sold, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, I was writing the script to make it as a, as a director. Um, you know, I, my, my interest was always to make the film myself and, and to actually go out and direct it. So, you know, knowing that I was coming at this as a, as a you know, I'd been in the business in, in many different capacities from small commercials to documentaries to, you know, industrials to sort of anything I could do. But I, you know, I had a, a long experience of, of directing and producing, but never on sort of a feature level, certainly not a level, you know, feature of this level. And, um, so the the fun thing is that that you know which is for your guys audience here you know uh, potentially interesting is that what in the end sort of ended up being you know one of the strongest elements of the script and of the story and actually what allowed me to really you know, I think have a, a window into this story that that was accessible for people came from a restriction that I placed on myself while writing it that I wanted to make the film for under a million bucks, basically. And um, I'd had a lot of production experience, and you know, I know there's a lot of tricks of ways of producing things affordably. Um, and you know, one of them is you don't move, you don't change a lot of locations. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of the fact of trapping these characters in this one sort of situation really came came from that and 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 which you know is kind of looking back on it fascinating we ended up shooting the film you know for around 3 million dollars which was you know more obviously but but certainly still you know an extremely limited budget in the greater scheme of things and you know we shot the film over 17 days which is very very short and so there was this condensed nature to the entire endeavor which um you know it goes against sort of what you would think but by doing that we did not, um, you know, sort of fall into the traps of some very, very large, but large budget films where sometimes it feels like they're trying to be everything for everyone, and, right. and the script sort of and the movie kind of bounce all over the place, and you you end up never feeling like you actually sort of understood any one element of it very well, and so with this you know, story, I sort of went to the source, um, which was, or one of the sources, which I thought was this, you know, where the packaging of these assets sort of began and where the rubber really met the road. And, you know, I trapped us as viewers on the floor with those people. And, you know, much to my own sort of amusement and, and excitement, you know, out of that came this very contained story, which um, hopefully contained sort of broader truths about the, you know, about what was going on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was uh, exciting to realize that that kind of worked. Yeah. And, and uh, I, yes, I have to ask you a couple of quick questions um, yeah. about the production of the film and sort of the a little bit about how did you or when did you realize you're going to be able to assemble this kind of amazing cast of people that you got to 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 into this film Jeremy Irons, Stanley Tucci, Kevin Spacey, uh, Demi Moore. And the list is really impressive. It, how did that just how did that happen? 
Yeah, I worked, um, you know, a good friend of mine uh, who I produced some stuff with before named Joe Jenks introduced me to uh, Neil Dodson and Corey Musa and Zachary Quinto, um, you know, who have Before the Door Pictures, and they, um, you know, came on board. We, you know, went out into the world with this, um, you know, document with a script and, and tried to, uh, you know, start attaching actors. We always sort of felt like the easiest way to raise money yeah. to make a film like this was to have a, a, you know, a great cast behind it. And so, um, bizarrely, getting cast to sort of say yes, that they were interested in doing this film, um, was a challenge to fit all the pieces together. But, you know, to actually get them to say yes was actually quite simple in, in, the, in the greater scheme of things. Not, not, of course, it didn't feel that way at the time. But we had a, a sort of rotating group of people that were, you know, constantly kind of at different times interested in playing different roles in this film. Um, to actually go out and raise the money and get them all to show up at the same time, um, you know, proved to be almost impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, a huge ensemble film like this. Normally, you'd be paying people enough money that you could lock in dates and mm-hmm. really, you know, months in advance get them to clear their schedules. Because we were sort of not paying, you know, the normal going wage for these these type of actors, um, it was just this horrible moving, um, you know, chess game kind of herding cats scenario where, um, you know, amazingly, you know, when we finally all showed up, you know, we sort of locked in a couple key pieces, you know, Zachary, Kevin Spacey, Stanley, you know, Paul Bettany, we sort of, a woman, a wonderful actress named Carla Gugino was yeah. going to play the Demi Moore role. And, um, but when, when we actually got ready to go shoot the film, she, you know, was under contract. So there were, there were constantly moving pieces. Um, and in the end, uh, you know, we, we sort of came together with this group, which often happens with a film where once the film is made, you, you know, you sort of can't think of it in any other way. But um, <laughs> it really was this just sort of amazing kind of rolling process that when we actually, you know, turned the cameras on, um, you know, it was it was this, <laughs> which was which was a pretty amazing you know uh, gift, obviously for for a, a director and writer. Oh, JC, this is just a, really a great film. I, I, easily one of the best films I've seen this year. Um, I. I mean, unfortunately, I'm out of time here, but I mean, you could talk about you had this 17-day 17 day shooting schedule. I mean, yeah. this is crazy. And given all of these moving parts, it, it doesn't at all feel as if there was this was, you know, all of this kind of chaos was occurring behind the scenes. It just really works well. I would... I would favorably compare this to um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross in terms of just sort of an ensemble of people who really s- step in and do a great job. Everybody in it is very good in it, in the film, and that's a testament to you as a director and, and to the writing as well. So, Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks very much. It was great. We sort of, you know, used that energy that came from sort of that panic, frankly, where you had yeah. these type A actors very similar in nature to the sort of high you know, high octane, you know, type A people in the world that we were representing. And by kind of shoving them into, um, you know, this very kind of hectic, bizarre, you know, very quick shoot where they all came together, I think this energy, um, you know, there's sort of an underlying energy of panic 
with even though it's Jeremy Irons and Kevin Spacey kind of delivering the lines, yeah. there's this sort of under underlying tension there, um, which I think we managed to use to our advantage. Which is when you're which is when you're doing a you know an independent film like this, you you know I always find it better to to run towards your weaknesses instead of away from them. Don't don't ignore the weakness. Figure out what the weakness is and try and use it as a strength, and yeah. that's what we did here. So, well, thank you very much. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's really fun having the film out into the world. Oh, yeah. And uh, please go see it. Yeah, and again, we hard we didn't even touch on the VOD. It came out simultaneously. You've done really well. I think it's a great model. This could be. I mean, I know it's been tried before, but this uh, you know to to simultaneously um, release it in the theaters and the VOD. Uh, this is this is a film that's going to, sh- uh, uh, for a lot of good reasons, is going to be uh, one that people are going to point to as a, as a breakthrough for not only yourself but for maybe the way that we can get these kind of great films in front of a lot of people. So yeah, no, it's been you know at first it was obviously a little I, I was a little skeptical and and concerned. You know, it's not been sort of tried with a wide theater, you know w- wide for art house, yeah. but you know we were um, we were. Um, you know, going, uh, you know, into a mar- the marketplace here in sort of with an untried, uh, you know, method, essentially. Um, and it's worked out really well. Yeah. I think it has broadened, broadened our, uh, you know, our reach for yeah. the film, and more people have gotten a chance to see the film. Well, it's fantastic. All the best to you. I, I look forward to your-, your next project, and if you find some time, I hope you come back and join us again here on Film School. Well, thank you so much thank for having you. me. Uh, you're welcome. Um, my pleasure. We'll see you. And the, the film is uh, Margin Call, the director, J.C. Chandor. And thank you so much for being here today. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.